today's topic is on divorce stigma. Yes. It's a huge thing. We have to really um, understand what, you know, divorce is and why it is so stigmatized mm-hmm. in our community, right? So joining me this morning is my dear friend, Rashna Kari, who I haven't seen for some time now. Yeah. She's well, the last time I was here, you were here. Yes. So that's that funny. Was, that's not, she, I think a few months ago. May, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it is. It's been a while. while. Yeah. So she's the executive director of Daya Houston. And uh, so people who don't know about Daya, Daya serves South Asian women, children and men in the Houston area who have been the victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. Daya's mission is to empower South Asian survivors of domestic and sexual violence through culturally specific services and to educate the community and in an effort to end the cycle of abuse. All right, so let's get to our topic. Yes. And um, so I wanted to ask you first, how prevalent is divorce among South Asians? Yeah, and I tried to look up the statistic Mm. this morning, and I still haven't found anything uh, too recent. Mm -hmm. But from what I'm from what I'm reading, it seems like it is just as it kind of follows the national trends. Like it almost follows. the trends in, in the location. So we would there's some studies that look at divorce in India or in Pakistan or in Bangladesh, and some that look at broader AAPI um, mm-hmm. levels of divorce in the United States. So I guess it would really depend. It's kind of like domestic violence in that this is a topic that hits hits every community kind of the same. Yeah, yeah. that's true. And you know the 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 word divorce itself is taken in such a negative way. Yeah. Right. And um, I was just talking to I don't know who I was talking to yesterday, because someone asked me what is the topic of discussion? And I told them it's about divorce. And, um, you know, they asked me, why are you doing this topic? I said, because it's not talked about. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we consider divorce as such a negative thing that right. um, even amongst society, it's like, you know, so many things happen when a person goes through divorce yeah. initially and then after that as well. Like the, you know, the socially. Yes. You know, people distance themselves and so many things. They lose family, yeah. friends. So a lot of things are kind of in there, right? Yeah. It's, it's very risky. It's a risky choice when you consider the stigma. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you would think kind of who would put themselves, nobody would take it lightly because the stigma is so strong. Like it feels like such a failure um, to people. It feels like a personal failure when, um, when you get divorced, especially because the stigma is so strong in our community. And that's one of the things that we really want to think about is how does this divorce stigma play into the reason why domestic violence is on the rise and the reason why lives are being lost. Mm. Um, we are, we are losing lives to violence because people are afraid to get divorced. And the the fear is around that social stigma around losing their family, around losing their friends. And mm. we've, we've seen some tragedies and then we've seen some triumphs when it comes to divorce and, um, and I think the more we talk about it, the the 
the better we'll all get at supporting our, our friends and loved ones who might be going through a divorce for a variety of reasons. Yeah. I actually said even yesterday when I was talking about it, I said it's more like uh, being liberated. Yeah, it can be. Right? It, sh- it would. That is that's the goal. Or, you know, it can be something really neutral. My, you know, obviously, when somebody gets married, you want that that's meant to be a lifelong commitment, a lifelong relationship. And, and we all as loved ones want that marriage to be successful and last. But I think even deeper than that, I hope that people have, rather than their marriage lasting, I want them to have a healthy relationship, mm-hmm. no matter what that looks like. And and for some couples, if they come to a mutual decision that this is not healthy for us, and then they decide to separate and get a divorce, and then they can maybe remain healthy co-parents in many cases, yeah. that's going to be what's best for, for the family. You would love for a situation where um, a divorced couple doesn't have to face that pressure from their friends, family, and loved ones, and the community. Correct. So, Rashna, tell us about Daya's stance on divorce. Yeah. So, this I love because there are many domestic violence organizations, and there's thought, there's ideas out there that, like, if you call Daya, you're going to have to get a divorce. <laughs> if you call this other organization, you can't get a divorce. So, uh, you know, it's it's very interesting that the the, the kind of rumors and the buzzing that's out there in the community about different organizations stance on divorce with Daya. It's very simple. We always want to do what the client wants to do. We want to help the client get to where they need to get to. So we have many clients that come in and say, I'm in a very abusive relationship, but I cannot get divorced. If I get divorced, um, you know, this part, my spouse will get custody over the kids. I'll lose my home. I'll lose my family. I cannot get divorced. Mm. And we say that's, that's, yes, you, you are the expert of your own life. So we agree that right now you're telling us you can't get a divorce. That's okay. What are some other ways we can help improve your safety while you're still in this marriage? Mm. And then there's some people who come to us and say, well, you know, there's been no physical abuse, but there's lots of verbal abuse and I want to get a divorce. But should I wait until there's physical abuse? Really, you know, should I try counseling? Should I do? But if somebody's already decided that the abuse is hurting their soul or their psyche, their emotions, then oftentimes getting a divorce is the right decision, even if there's no physical violence, because that Verbal and psychological abuse takes its toll on people. It can really harm somebody. And so at Daya, our stance on divorce is that whatever the survivor thinks they need to do at that time to stay safe, that's what we want to help them get to. There's no judgment from us on either on either decision. Recognizing that survivors are the ones that know what's the safest way to go about things. But uh, so do you think like when survivors do, you know, you come across survivors, do they ever mention the word divorce? Often, often they do. And often we have people calling and they say, what what does a divorce even look like? What do I expect? You know, some people think, well, I don't I don't have a job. How will I live? You know, and there are that that's why this is a legal process. Right. There are lawyers involved who can make sure that there's child support going on, that 
mom is safely living in one space, dad is safe, you know, living in another space. Um, there's many, many options. So at Daya, our main goal is mm-hmm. to connect clients to one of our pro bono attorneys, attorneys that are maybe listening today, those yeah. in our community who donate their time to, to speaking with Daya clients. And and what they can do there is just learn what their options are. We'll learn what it will look like. So it's demystifying that divorce process for their specific situation. Okay. And of course, it's not going to be everything to expect down to the second, but it gives you an idea of what your options are. And we believe that the more information someone has, the better choice they can make about their safety. Okay. Now, earlier you had mentioned about marriage counseling. Yeah. So what is the role of a marriage counselor? Yeah. So I think this is really important because many people have asked us at Daya, do you all offer marriage counseling? Correct. And we, and we don't. You know, there are other organizations that offer marriage counseling. The reason we don't is because we work exclusively with survivors of domestic violence. And domestic violence is not about getting into an argument or fighting, even a bad fight with your spouse. It's not about that. It's about who is holding the power and control in the relationship. And is there a pattern of harm? And so for for us, when there is such an unequal power imbalance, when that power imbalance is so strong and the abusive spouse holds all that power, there's there's nothing to reconcile on. You know, if there's no respect in that relationship, when there's harm in that relationship, when one person is living with all the fear and the other person is controlling that person, they will likely not even want to get marriage counseling because that situation is working out in their favor. Mm. They're having all the control. So we do have many clients who call and say, well, can you force my husband to go to marriage counseling? And no, unfortunately, you can't force anyone to go to counseling. Therapy really only works when that person is ready to make a change. And when the power balance is so off, when one person is holding all the power and the other spouse is living in fear and control and harm, that that bond, that marriage vow is broken already. That's a broken, it may, you know, on paper, that's a marriage, but it is, yeah, it's, it's a broken, it's a broken marriage. So when people say, you know, you're breaking up marriages, I always think that's a little bit funny because these are marriages that are really broken, um, at the core. There's no love, there's no respect. Um, and there's, there's fear and harm, which is the opposite of what you would want in a healthy marriage. Correct. So can marriage counseling stop domestic violence? Unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately it can't. Now, that is because, and this is Daya's stance on it, you know, and research shows that marriage counseling is not indicated for domestic violence because it's unsafe. When a survivor first reaches out to get help, so say they call Daya and they say, can you get marriage counseling? Can we get marriage counseling? And we say, sure, Mm. get marriage counseling, you know, we'll do it. And now that abusive spouse knows, oh, my gosh, my wife has reached out to go get help from this organization about domestic violence. She might be leaving me. All these fears start coming into the abuser's mind that they're losing control. So it's actually the most unsafe time for a survivor are those 
weeks before she flees, the time in which she's fleeing, and the few you know weeks or months right after. Okay. Because that's when the abusive spouse says, oh my gosh, I've lost that power and control, and the abuse can escalate. So it's actually not indicated for domestic violence because these two people are on totally different paths. The, and But the abuser can get their own individual therapy. And there's programs out there for batterers called batterers intervention programs. Our friends at AVDA, Aid to Victims of Domestic Abuse, have a really strong BIP program. It's called BIP, Batterers Intervention Program. Um, And that has shown to to have positive outcomes, you know, so that abusers can think through their past trauma and why they might be continuing the cycle of abuse in their family. But marriage counseling isn't going to help when there's domestic violence simply because it can make the victim more unsafe and the one person has power and control over the other person. So it's such an unequal place they're in. Yeah. So if they go for individual uh, therapy and counseling, Mm -hmm. so does that is there any change with that? Like, does that really help? You know, I've seen, I've heard stories and seen where it it does help. But okay. I will tell you that person, the person that's causing the harm, the abuser in the marriage, has to be open to changing. They can't be going because their mom is making them go or their wife is making them go or their job is making them go. I mean, sometimes... Law enforcement, sometimes as part of a domestic violence case, the abuser will have to go to these programs. Mm. But it works when that person, whether it's in the first session or before they go to the first session, they have to quickly have some accountability. Yes, the thing I'm doing is wrong. The way I'm treating this person is wrong. And I want to change and fix it. Wow. Okay. So what can Daya do to help someone who feels unsafe in their marriage, but will not get a divorce? Yeah, yeah. This is so interesting, because a lot of people who call our helpline, they're really quick to say, I can't, you know, I can't get a divorce. I know that you're going to tell me to get a divorce. And we say, no, that's actually step, you know, whatever that that's going to happen when you're ready for it. But the thing we want to do is get somebody safe. So some of the things that we can do are create a really tailored safety plan. So if you are still, maybe you're in a situation where you can't get a divorce, but you can live separately from that person. Maybe you can, you know, that way you can still have, you're living under the guise of we're still married and that social stigma isn't coming into play as much. So in some cases we can help somebody have an apartment that they can live in, maybe with their kids on their own. We can start to get a child custody order in place. We can start start to get child support in place without a divorce. That mm. That's all doable. Okay. But in many cases, it's not even safe to bring up divorce with an abusive spouse because they might escalate their violence. So in those cases, our safety plan is, okay, how does her, how does this person's outbursts usually look? Is it physical violence? Is it emotional violence? Is there patterns that you see? Is it when they're drinking? Is it when they're stressed? Is it? And we try to come up with ways to predict the abuse so that they can prevent the abuse. Can you go for a walk when your spouse is really stressed out from work and may explode at you? Um, if there's physical violence, where are the weapons in your home? Are there weapons in your home? And we, you know, can, where are places that we can avoid a physical altercation? How can you move an argument to a different room in your house so that you're not around, you know, a, a stone countertop or a fireplace 
or knives, you know. So we do really deep, deep safety planning with yeah. survivors so that even if they have to stay in the house, they're doing the best they can on, on staying there safely. Okay. So right now you're talking more about like someone who's going through the physical physically like getting abused physically yeah what about the mental and emotional yeah so we try to find patterns there too because the reality is the psychological emotional abuse is just as traumatic and just as harmful as the physical abuse i mean all the studies show that when you are being psychologically or mentally abused or verbally abused it takes a toll on your physical health it takes a toll on your mental health it takes a toll on your children So we do the same thing. Okay, if your partner has these outbursts at you and yells at you and calls you names, can you see some patterns? Is it after work? Is it after family comes to visit? Is it every day? Mm-hmm. Is it a certain type of day? It's time of day. And where are places that somebody can go to avoid that kind of um, emotional or verbal violence, which is really screaming, yelling at somebody criticizing them deeply, um, not letting them talk, calling them names, and instilling that fear in them, threatening them. Correct. Yeah. So if someone we know and love is in an unsafe marriage, and we know they can't get divorced, what can we do to help them? So I think one of the best things that we can do is recognize those signs. So if you see one of your friends, or somebody that you love, seems more isolated. They seem more sad. They don't get joy out of the things that they used to get joy out of. You're seeing those signs of depression, of anxiety. Do they feel like they're walking on eggshells when they're around their spouse? You can pull them aside just one-on-one. Again, always make this a private conversation and say, I'm seeing these things. Is everything going okay. Now, if this person comes to you and says, I'm in an abusive marriage, or I'm in an unhealthy marriage, and but I can't get divorced because you know, what will everybody say? Mm. The best thing that you can do to help them is tell them that you will be there for them, whether they are divorced, single, married, kids, no kids, that you are there for them as their loved one, that they can confide in you and that you can help them find help. So you can refer them to call Daya. It's a, it's a great choice. And I, um, obviously I'm a little bit biased, (laughs) but it is, it is a great place where people can get non-judgmental help, whether or not they can get a divorce. Most of the time though, I will say most of the clients that are not able to leave their marriage, Mm. it is because the stigma of divorce is so strong that they know that they'll also lose their families, like their mom, their dad, their siblings, their friends. And we have seen people harm themselves and we, we've seen lives lost. We've, we've had a client that lost their life to suicide because they, the stigma of divorce was so strong that mm-hmm. she could not get a divorce. And, um, but she couldn't live in this abusive relationship anymore. And it's one of the most heartbreaking stories because she had a job and she could, she could have thrived on her own. She didn't have kids. This could have been a relationship she could have left behind. Mm. And there was so much pressure from her family. Even her friends were supportive of her getting a divorce because they saw the way her husband treated her. It was such horrible emotional abuse. And her immediate family was really so against the divorce and said, 
I know we will disown you. And so instead she took her own life. And these are the things that this is a reality. This is how strong that stigma is. And this is what we're trying to prevent. So the more that we as community members can be okay with the fact that sometimes divorce has to happen and that we would rather a broken marriage than a dead person in our community or a depressed person or suicidal person. We want everybody to be thriving. And sometimes um, a marriage is not a safe place to be. Yeah. I think sometimes it's more like educating uh, the family more so than the person who's going through it, getting to know more, learning more about it. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is why we do shows like this Mm -hmm. so that, I mean, everybody who's out there and listening Know somebody who's in an abusive relationship. Everybody does because the statistics show that one in three women, one in four men are have experienced domestic violence. And so we all know somebody and maybe our thoughts or opinions or the stigma about divorce has kept somebody from seeking help or living safely. And we want to make sure that we're not contributing to um riskier homes because that's very unsafe for the for the children involved for the and for the people involved yeah so you've been with Daya for how many years seven now seven years wow so in your experience how much has like what changes have you seen within the organization when it comes to divorce so I love like again biased our team is extremely diverse there's 15 of us and all of us are from you know a variety of South Asian countries and speak different languages and have different religions mm. and the the thing that and even different thoughts on divorce yeah. um, and, and again though nobody on our team, ever thinks that somebody should should stay married to somebody who's harming them. So I say that so that people know if you call and you already know that you want a divorce, that you cannot live and be in this marriage, everyone on the diet team is going to agree with you. No one is going to tell you you're wrong for that feeling. And no one's going to push you to get a divorce. So, But the changes I've seen is we've found creative ways where people can, again, like, maybe not be publicly divorced. Maybe they have another kind of agreement where we know that they can live separately, that the kids can be safe. We are laser focused on safety for the survivor and for their children. And however we can get there, we're really creative. And with the attorneys we've worked with, and we have a legal advocate and our senior director of legal services has been with Daya for over 15, 16 years now. Like she knows, Dr. Nusrat Amin knows all the ins and outs of the different ways that we can create a legal situation that keeps you safe um, and that works for you. And sometimes, again, I want to manage expectations. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that is a divorce. You know, sometimes it it comes down to it that that is the safest choice. But we never, ever push a survivor to take a step that they're not ready to take. We do remind them of the risk, though, you know especially in Texas with firearms being so prevalent in our homes, a woman is 500 times more likely to die of homicide if they're in an abusive home that has a firearm than if they're in an abusive home without a firearm, 500 times. So if somebody calls and says, 
there's physical violence, emotional violence, financial control, and there's a firearm in the home, we are going to say, look at how high your risk is, according to all the studies and statistics and our experience. And I know that the stigma of divorce is so strong, yeah. but we will, we will really push clients to think about those really hard things. What is it going to look like if you, if you lose your life? What does that mean for your family, your children? your siblings, your parents, you know, and we talk to parents about this too. parents who are so have that really strong divorce stigma and say, oh, my gosh, they we just we've got to save this marriage. We have to save survivors. Survivors have to save themselves. And so that is the reason why, you know, we're always trying to break down that stigma of divorce. If somebody calls and doesn't want a divorce, it's okay. But more than likely, people want the divorce, but they're worried about what people are going to say about them. All right. Wow. This is such a heavy topic. (laughs) But I'm glad we're touching on this topic because I don't think we have ever talked about, you know, divorce and the stigmas around. Yeah. And even in relationships that are not abusive yet. If they are, un- if you're in an unhealthy relationship and you see yourself feeling depressed, anxious, and I mean, the again, you know, we're in it. We we have one life, and yeah. it's really important that we support people in the decisions they're making for their well being. Yeah, well said, girl. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's just go on a short break. And when we return, we will continue our conversation with Rachna from Daya. This is Chai Time on 99.5 FM. For those who have just tuned in, um, we are in conversation with Rachna from Daya. And today's topic of discussion is divorce and the stigma around it. It's been quite a heavy topic, but really that needs to be talked about, Mm -hmm. discussed, uh, being aware of it. And even here on Chai Time, six years we've been here. And this is the first time I think we are actually talking about it. So thank you, Rachel. Yeah, thank no, you. thank you for the platform always to yeah. talk about the hard stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, we learn so much from it, too. We have a better understanding, right? Usually, like I said earlier, too, divorce is such a negative thing. Yes. And uh, many times we, we shun from it because... Um, it's like an elephant in the room. Yeah. And it feels, I mean, really people feel like it's such a failure. And sometimes I always, you know, with survivors, I always want to say like, this is the harder, you know, leaving an abusive marriage is one of the hardest things you can do. And they, they feel like it's a failure. They've given up if they get a divorce, because that's what the world tells them. But really when there's abuse involved, when there's such, um, strong harm and pain that's ongoing and your spouse doesn't want to treat you with respect and and that's not a part of their behavior um i always tell survivors like actually you're making a really brave choice and you're starting you're ending the cycle of abuse it's quite Mm -hmm. powerful because these are cycles that continue across generations children see abuse in their homes and that's why they grow up and think it's okay, and they are more likely to become victims or abusers. But when survivors choose to leave that marriage and start fresh, we're ending that cycle of abuse. Right. It's really, really powerful. Sometimes we've uh, we've gone with client, we've you know worked with clients and walked with them through really long, tough divorce cases. I'm talking years 
Because the other thing abusive spouses can do is they'll delay the divorce. They'll keep kind of putting money into their legal case to to uh, delay it, delay it, delay it, you know, reschedule it, reschedule it, reschedule it. And people can lose so much time and so much money. We've even, I'll lighten it up a little bit. We've even sent a cake cakes to our clients when their divorce is finally finalized. Yeah. Because it means that they can really start a safe and healthy life now. Yeah, exactly. It's a rebirth. Yeah. Freedom, right? Yes. So it's like totally different. Like they're, they're so, no, no, the life has totally changed yes. for the good. Yes. So. And it's so hard. You know, the stigma is the hardest part of it. So if we as friends, family, community members can take away some of that stigma, we are going to, this is a way that we can really end domestic violence because- Every all of our clients are so different, but the one thing they all have in common is they are worried about what people are thinking about them and saying about them. What are people going to say? That's the one thing they all have in common. That's a worry that everybody has. It's normal to want to please your family and your friends and to want to, you know, be successful in society's eyes. People are very worried. What are people going to say? So us in the community, we can stop saying negative things when people are getting a divorce. Right. You know, like it's, it's, um, we don't know what to say sometimes. Yeah. And we are so like, we just, you know, if someone we meet after a long time and say, Hey, how are you? How are you? You know, what's going on? And they say, Oh, I'm divorced. All of a sudden there's this silence, right? Yeah. It's like, you know what I say in that situation? I say, I'm so, I'm so happy that you made the decision That worked best for your life. Yeah, that's a good, yeah, Yeah. that's a good point. So sometimes, I mean, we always, we are talking about like families, right? But do you think also it's more for the kids as well? Like, Yeah, I think there's this, and, and what happens is the family will tell the, the survivor, they'll say, no, you got to stay together for the kids. Okay. Mm -hmm. We've all heard that again in abusive relationships, the research shows boys are four times more likely to become abusive partners if they witness domestic violence in their, in the home when they're growing up. So that's a huge jump and girls are more likely to become victims. And so that's staying together for the kids is often the thing that keeps these cycles of harm and and toxic relationships and unhealthy relationships going. And so um, sometimes divorce is a really good opportunity to set some boundaries Mm. to make sure that you're being respected, that your kids are being cared for and safe and healthy, that they grow up seeing healthy um, parental relationships. And then they can they can see that modeled for them, and then they can do that, too, as they grow up. Yeah, we're not protecting the children by staying in the abusive relationship. No. That's what we need to, you know, like, realize that. We are not protecting them. We are not doing any good for them. No, but no, it's only it's risks. Yeah, it's only risks. Yeah, definitely. And as, as friends and as family members, especially as mothers, you know, mothers and fathers, I think we can, you can tell your grown-up children that if they decide to get a divorce— I mean, it is if you you love your in-law, let's say you love your son-in-law, your daughter tells you she's getting a divorce. It's very depending on your family. It's 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 OK to ask, oh, my gosh, what happened? Yeah. Or um, did you guys try to go to counseling? Those are 
okay questions. And I get it. Our families aren't going to be, you know, our culture, we, we get involved. But yeah, let's get involved when there's abuse too. Yeah. And so when you see somebody is in an unhealthy relationship or abusive relationship, and then they tell you you're get, they're getting a divorce, you can say, I'm proud of you. I know that this is difficult and hard to do, but I'm proud of you for creating a safer home for your kids. Yeah. So what are some ways to prevent verbal, mental, or physical abuse in a relationship? Um, I think communication is the number one way to prevent that kind of abuse in your relationship. If you start to see your partner talking to you in ways that are not okay with you, that are, you know, you, you're allowed to say, you know, my boundary is I won't get yelled at. I'm doing my real boundary. My real boundary in my life is that I don't, I'm not going to get yelled at. So me and my partner, obviously we get into arguments, but I've told him if I, if, if there's, if there starts to be yelling, then I'm going to, I'm going to have to like walk away from the argument. We can talk about it later. And we, we really don't have the issue anymore because we talked about it. Right. right. And he's, he's theatrical and a teacher. And so he can, he can really like, you know, uh, talk. And so it's, it's very interesting to see us both adjusting to each other's boundaries to make sure that we can have this conversation in a way that everyone feels like they can speak, that they're being heard and that they're listening to. So I think communication is the number one way to prevent abuse in a relationship, because if you tell somebody these are these are my must haves for my relationship. And this is how I feel loved. And this is when I feel disrespected. And they continue to cross those boundaries and they continue to hurt you in ways that you've told them are hurtful. Mm. Um, you know, maybe it's teasing you, whatever it is, it can really be anything. Nothing's too small. You're allowed to say, I feel hurt and disrespected when you say those things to me. And if that person doesn't stop that's a big red flag for you that they are getting into this unhealthy behavior territory. And that is more likely to escalate and become abusive. And so if even after you're having these talks with somebody and bringing in a marriage counselor at that point or a relationship therapist at that point and saying like, Hey, help me, help me make this really clear. If this yeah. person calls me names, I feel extremely disrespected. And if they still won't change that, that is a huge red flag to you that it you're you're now in an emotionally unsafe relationship or unhealthy relationship. And, you know, relationships are on a spectrum between healthy and abusive. And there's all of us are in the middle, but we want to be we want to be in a healthy relationship. It doesn't mean you don't fight, but it means you you always respect each other. Even yes. in that fight, you're respecting each other. You're not calling each other names. You're not screaming at each other. You're not breaking stuff or throwing things. These are all red flags that, that, that the relationship is, is very unhealthy. Yeah. You have to be really mindful of what you say, what you do, yeah. even during the heated moments. Yes. And if you make a mistake during the heated moments, you, it's, it's on you to take accountability for that. And that's not just saying, oh, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. It's actually, okay, how am I not going to do that again? Mm -hmm. So if I don't, you know, if I don't like being teased about my gray hair and my partner 
continues to tease me about my gray hair and it's the day of my gala and I'm feeling insecure already. And then again, he brings up this joke about my gray hair. You know, now it's time for me to have a conversation with him about, okay, this has to stop. And he's, she should tell me, okay, when I start to tease you about your gray hair, I'm going to do this instead. I'm going to say, you know, your hair looks beautiful, whatever it takes. You know, I'm not here to tell somebody how to fix it, (laughs) but they, they, part of accountability is taking the steps to make sure it doesn't happen again. Cause a lot of times in abusive relationships, it's the, the abuse will happen. And right after that, there's the honeymoon phase. I'm so sorry. Here's a present. It'll never happen again. Please don't leave me. Please don't tell anyone. But once there, once that person is placated, okay, things are back to normal. The tension will build and it'll happen again. So part of the apology needs to be, okay, how are you going to make sure that this doesn't happen again? What's the game plan to make sure that you're actually going to change your behavior? Yeah. And sometimes, many times I've heard that, you know, they, they get intimate. Yeah. Yes. That is so confusing. And we saw that, you know, I don't know if you saw Big Little Lies or read Big Little Lies. And that was a big part of the show, which I loved because yes, a lot of times people will say, oh, after a fight, the, the, we we get intimate and that fixes the argument. Well, that is another form of a Band-Aid, right? That's another form of, um, I'm sorry, I promise. We're really close. We love each other so much. Yeah. But what's actually making this a healthy relationship? It has to be more than just loving each other. Exactly. Wow. If someone needs help, what should they do in an, in an emergency? So in an emergency, and I brought, you know, I think this is important because we always, you know, when you call any kind of helpline, they say, if this is an emergency, hang up and call 911. We've all heard that. Yes. And that is true. If you feel like your life is at risk or there's bodily harm happening to you, or if someone is threatening to severely injure you or kill you, that is a perfect time to call the police because they can intervene. You can call the police. You can say, this is happening now. I need somebody to come out and 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 I need a protective order. That is a good sentence to say. It doesn't always okay. mean you're going to get one, but okay. it's it's something that shows that there's actual actually harm and abuse happening to you that you need to be protected from this person. But if you're in a in a mental emergency, um, if you're fe- feeling like harming yourself, or if you're feeling suicidal because of the emotional abuse that you're experiencing. That's not something that the police would necessarily be able to come out for. Now, if you're posing a risk of danger to yourself, they would. But there's also now 811, which is the the suicide prevention line, too. Or I'll look it up in a second. 888. Yeah. We put it up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there is the mental health line now as well. Um, right, right. So that's the yes. one to call if you're in an emotional um, crisis. You can also always call the domestic violence hotline, which is 24 hours a day. And it's they can. 988. 988. Yes, thank you. 988 is the mental health hotline. If you're feeling like you're in a, in a mental crisis, mm-hmm. you can also call the domestic violence hotline, which is 24 hours a day to get some of that safety planning right there any time of day. Now, DIA is open 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. You can always call us. There's other um, hotlines throughout the Houston area. But the thing I want to make sure people know is that when there's emotional abuse going on, there is very little that law enforcement can actually actually do. Like their job is to prevent 
bodily harm and injury and they can't and they have to go out and collect evidence and take statements so they can't you know they can't be all focused on you all you know at every moment especially in in the middle of emotional abuse or a very heated argument um those are times to maybe take uh, take some separation try to get out of that situation that's getting you feeling distressed. Um, This is a great place that friends and family can help too. If you know somebody is going through a really hard time in their marriage, can you be somebody that they can call or text and of any time of day to get some emotional support? And that's a really helpful thing that friends and family can offer as well. Okay. So um, how can we as a community help support Daya? You know, I think the, my biggest ask is that People try to think about why this divorce stigma is so strong. So if you are listening and you personally think, man, I would never get a divorce. I don't ever, you know, I think divorce is the worst option Um, to really think about why that is. What are the lessons that we've learned or the messages that we've seen growing up that make us think that getting divorced is the same as, you know, dying, right? And um, and why is it the death of a marriage and the death of a relationship? Um, if you are somebody that holds that stigma, mm-hmm. try to think about why you hold that stigma and if it's a fair stigma, if that's really in line with your values. Because I've met so many people over the last seven years and I see our supporters are all about someone's safety. They want people to be safe. They want them to be independent and thriving and happy and in a relationship or not in a relationship, they they want them to be happy and safe and healthy. And so um, I think what's more in our values, if I know people the way I think I know people, is to actually support people when they say, hey, I'm going through a divorce or I'm thinking of getting a divorce, instead of being like, no, 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 stay together for the kids. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, you know, think of ways that you can support them, no matter what decision you make. I'll still be your friend. I'll still be your sister. I'll always be your mother. I'll always love you. These are, these are things that are very powerful because when you open up that line of communication, then that person might tell you that they need a lot more help than they're letting on for. And if they're in an abusive relationship and they're coming to you with that information, um, you should tell them that you believe them and that you support them. And then you can help them connect to an organization like that. Yeah. 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 If you, you know, the only thing sometimes you don't know what to say, how to help, just connect them to Daya. Yeah. And even if you don't know what to say, you can say, I don't know what to say. Yeah. I don't know what to say, but I know that I love you. I know that I'm your friend. I know that I'm here for you. Correct. Because these are, you know, these are things that, that are part of life and they happen to many of us. And in those moments, you, you don't, it's okay if your friend or family member doesn't know what to say. We know that we just want their love and their support. Yeah. So are there any upcoming events? Yes. So (laughs) we do. We're laughing because we'll see each other on Thursday. So on Thursday, we're having our annual gala luncheon. We are sold out. We're super excited to be sold out. We have a wait list that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm keeping short um, just in case people cancel at the last minute. So if you are looking to join our wait list, you can uh, email contact at diahouston.org. And, you know, even though we're sold out, again, this has been a really tough couple of years. We've seen more lives lost in these last three years than we have ever 
from all the years combined prior to these last years. There's an increase in domestic violence, in emotional abuse, in mental health crises, in suicides, and in homicides in our community. And so if you want to give um, give your support to Daya, you can be a safe person that people can talk to. Um, you can be non-judgmental. You can connect people to Daya. And you can always go to our website to learn more about how you can help your friends and family and be be that safe person that somebody can confide in. That's so great. Thank you so much, Rachel, for I know you're so busy, especially with the luncheon game. I love coming here as well. <laughs> so we really appreciate you making the time out and coming yes. here. Yes. Thank you for us. having this conversation. It's a tough conversation. It is. It is. But I do think that if we start to break the stigma, people will be safer. I'm. I. I know it. I know yeah. that. And you've given us such great advice of what you know, what to say, or you know, when you're uncomfortable, what you know, what to do, how to help a friend yeah. or you know anyone in need so you know your advice has been so valuable to us thank each time you, you come yeah. here so thank you we well, really thank appreciate you, you. 